0: Welcome to the Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m. And you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. Thank you, Julie. And thanks be to God indeed for his word to us. Would you pray with me? Loving Father, I pray that you would open your word and open our hearts this morning, that we would see you and receive from you exactly what you intend. We ask this in the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That passage from Hebrews talks about Jesus being the pioneer, the one who leads us in our faith, who shows us the way. And over these past few weeks together, we've been looking at The call of Jesus to follow him, and we see that he calls us not just to follow to a place, but to follow a certain way, to act a certain way as we follow him, as his disciples. And we see that he's called us to follow like children, to be childlike as we receive the kingdom and as we approach the things of God. We've seen that Jesus invited those around him who were weighed down by burdens and cares, to rest, to cast off their anxious thoughts, to release those burdens they weren't meant to carry. We also explore what it means to receive from God like a child receives, to accept, to embrace, to receive those difficult things from God, trustingly, like a child, believing that God is indeed bigger than us and knows what is best for us. And then to receive and embrace those good gifts from God with joy that hasn't been tempered from any so-called adulting that can lead us to jadedness. And then last week, we saw that to respond like a child to God's kingdom is to recognize that as individuals, as God's children, we're relatively powerless to get anything done on our own. And we have incredible gifts to give. We have something to offer to God's kingdom this morning we're going to go way back to the earliest pages of scripture to take a look at God's first children who also happened to be the first two adults according to the account of Genesis. Adam and Eve were created by God in the image of God and then placed in the garden of Eden to work, to tend the garden, to enjoy their work, to enjoy each other's company. And to enjoy fellowship and intimacy with their creator, God. God gave them a wide range of freedoms and one restriction, one prohibition. And that was not to eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the center of the garden. So let's pick up that story in Genesis chapter three. Now, the serpent was made, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked Adam and Eve broke the one rule they'd been given by God, and the consequences began to unfold immediately. They recognized their nakedness in that moment and then covered themselves up. Now, being unclothed couldn't have been evil because, number one, that's how God created them, and two, it was not, uh, there was no restriction against it. But somehow in their expanded knowledge, Adam and Eve experienced something they hadn't yet experienced in their relatively young human experience. They experienced shame. Now we need to set this episode in context and see the contrast between what happens here and the end of Genesis chapter 2. Here's how that chapter ends, which is actually the final verse right before the reading in chapter 3. At the end of Genesis 2, Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Life before the forbidden fruit was innocent. It was shame-free. And after tasting that fruit that had looked so pleasing, that seemed so desirable, that was so hyped up by this crafty serpent, life just wasn't the same. Shame over their nakedness was the first and immediate result. Now, I think it's important for us to consider the difference between shame and guilt. Shame is more commonly part of the fabric of Eastern cultures. Well, a sense of guilt is more part of uh, Western culture. Guilt comes from that conviction, that bad feeling we have when we have done something wrong. We've done something bad. Shame makes us feel like we are bad. When Adam and Eve ate that fruit and their eyes were opened, they didn't just become convicted that they had messed up, that they had done something wrong. They truly felt in that moment that they were bad, that they were unworthy, that they were wrong, that they were broken, that they needed to be covered up. They felt indecent. Their carefree, innocent days were over in that moment. And so they hid themselves, and they hid from God. God had created Adam and Eve as flawless human beings in his own image. They were fully adult and yet childlike in so many ways. Everything was new to them. They had so much to learn They've been given power to, to do interesting things, to name the animals, to tend the earth. They were blissfully naive in so many ways. But they had each other. They had the garden. They had their work. They had the company of God Himself. And it was enough, or at least it should have been. And then the serpent, who is acknowledged throughout the Bible to represent Satan Himself, approached Eve and Adam to try to convince them that it was time to grow up, time to wake up and open their eyes to reality, to learn some of the things that the serpent claimed God was hiding from them. All it would take was a bite of that forbidden fruit. The serpent told them, in essence, that they could be grown up like God. They could leave their childish ways behind, Instead, they lost much of their childlikeness in that moment, as they turned from God to do their own thing, as they decided to head out from God as newly adultish children. Throughout this series, I've been referring uh, to a book called Unfettered, written by Pastor Mandy Smith. And in that book, the author draws distinctions between being childish and childlike, and between acting adultish and adult-like. Smith describes one element of adultishness, in other words, uh, in uh, unreal adulting, one element of adultishness as a fear of powerlessness, a fear of powerlessness. And we see that here in the garden. The serpent convinced God's children that God was holding out on them that he was intentionally regulating their power in an unfair way, that there was some power he was keeping from them. And so Adam and Eve could have remained comfortably in their childlike state, trusting God to fully do what was best and best for them as someone who knew better. But instead, a growing love of power and fear of powerlessness gripped them, and so they acted. acted with adultishness. To be adult-like, on the other hand, is to be unafraid to be powerful in healthy ways. To be adult-like is to have the maturity to recognize that we've actually been given agency, opportunity to make a difference. We've been given the power to make a difference on behalf of others, often sacrificially. And to be adult-like is to step into that power to embrace it and to make change happen. Adultish, adult-like. To be childlike is to be at ease with powerlessness. To recognize there's someone bigger than us who cares about us, who can handle all the things that are beyond our power. To be childish, however, is to mope and stomp when we don't get our way and to feel like things are beyond our control. I think we can all picture the tantrum of a two-year-old and realize it's not a pretty sight childishness is to be put in a position of power but to freeze in paralysis, to feel like we're not enough, we're not grown up enough to act. And so to adult like a child is to somehow walk this line of tension with power, to be comfortable with both our power and our powerlessness. Jesus invites us to enter the kingdom of God like little children. And somehow we're also supposed to grow up as we follow him. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13, when I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood or I put childish ways behind me. And so Paul sought to be mature, adult-like, not childish. Growing as a person, maturing as a disciple of Jesus is a continual theme of the New Testament. Paul writes in his letter to the church in Ephesus, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Paul wrote to the Colossian Christians, "He, Christ, is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature. In Christ. So clearly maturity, specifically maturity in Christ, growing up in Christ, are to be goals of our faith, part of our journey as disciples of Jesus. We're meant to grow up. And as we grow up, we're not meant to become adultish with its tendencies toward hunger for power, lust for acceptance, and jaded detachment from opportunities to meet real needs, but to become more and more adult like. The Lord, whom we follow, emerges from the pages of the Gospels very much as a grown up. As we look at Jesus, we see a picture of maturity that is comfortable both with power and with the limits of power. Jesus doesn't shrink from obligations or from divine opportunities. But he also doesn't cater to the whims of those around him. Doesn't cave into pressures that might have impacted him had he been more adultish than adult-like. And as we seek to grow up in Christ, we are meant to be adult-like and childlike. That was Jesus' whole point. Every time he gathered his disciples and pointed to a child in their midst and said, you need to be more like that. They get it. They understand it. Jesus took a little child and said, to such as these belongs the kingdom of God. They understand somehow the secrets of the kingdom and understand how God's kingdom works. God reveals the truths and secrets of the kingdom to such as these, Jesus said. And surprisingly, not to the wise, not to the learned, not to those who look grown up. To remain childlike is to retain a sense of wonder and awe. It's to say wow more often. To stay curious. It's to allow the gifts of God to put a smile on our face and to warm our hearts in a way that demonstrates that we haven't processed everything, all the pros and cons, through the filters of our adultish brains. To be childlike is to call God Abba. Trusting him, knowing that he's the dad who loves us and who will take care of us. To be childlike is to recognize our smallness and to be unsurprised by our incompleteness. I think sometimes as grown-ups, if we're operating out of that adultishness, we find ourselves saying, maybe even just in our own heads, things like, when on earth will I grow up? When will I get this all figured out? When will I arrive? When will I be done? Why can't I do this yet? Not that we should be content to languish in immature behaviors, but that we should recognize, like children, that we'll always have some growing to do. And that should be exciting. If you talk to people in their 90s who seem to be thriving in their lives more often than not, you'll find out that they feel like they haven't grown up yet. They're still learning stuff. They're still trying new things. They're still growing. Childishness includes, childlikeness, excuse me, includes an expectation and excitement that God isn't finished with us yet and never will be until we see him face to face. That our loving Heavenly Father will continue to give us opportunities on earth to learn to grow, to be challenged. We are all works in progress. The Apostle John writes, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Christ-likeness is our goal. Growing up to be more and more like Jesus is our aim. And by the grace of God, by the work of God's Holy Spirit in our lives, that process is already underway. We are indeed works in progress. Our destiny is to be be made perfect someday, to be complete, to be like Jesus when we are with Christ in eternity. But for now, we are children of God and brothers and sisters of Jesus. We heard read earlier from Hebrews chapter two that in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters Jesus led the way as the pioneer of our faith and our salvation. He opened the way into sanctifying holiness that grows us to be more like him. He opened that way and said, follow me. Let's journey together. Jesus in his life, his death and resurrection provides the means of forgiveness for our sins, provides the remedy for our guilt, and he also removes our shame. He came in flesh and blood. To show us that to be human is not to be bad. It's to be children who need their heavenly parent. God brings many sons and daughters to glory. Jesus is not ashamed to name us brother, sister. And so my prayer is that even as adults, even as we continue to grow, we would never, ever lose sight of our identity as children, first and foremost. I invite you to pray with me. Father, Abba, we thank you that we are indeed your children. We thank you for our brother, Jesus. We thank you for this family of Christ into which you've adopted us. God, by your Spirit's work in us, would you grow us up? Would you mature us into the kind of grown-ups that you want us to be? May we be mature because of the wisdom you give. May we be childlike in the inclinations and impulses of our hearts. We ask this in the name of our brother Jesus, amen.